Well, I'm glad to welcome you as we gather once again as the Christ Journey family from all around the world through church online and across this nation, but also right here in South Florida at our Kindle campus, our Gables campus. Welcome in the name of the God who so loves the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So we greet you in the name of Jesus Christ and we pray for peace on earth, peace between nations, Peace across this nation, peace in communities, peace in families, and peace in hearts. If you join me in this prayer, would you say amen? Amen. Now, if you have ever wondered what goes through his head right before he speaks, um, not that you've ever wondered that, but I'm going to tell you what usually is going through my head is a prayer. And it's usually this verse, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, and then helpful to those listening. Now, why do I pray that? Because my desire is for my words to be pleasing to God, but also helpful to those listening. I would love for, for my sharing of the good news of Jesus Christ's love to be helpful for people in living their lives. And uh, I also know that the letter of James in the New Testament says this, we who teach will be judged more strictly than others. By the way, you ever have roast preacher for Sunday dinner? You know, I think that might be part of the judgment. And then James goes on to say this, we all stumble in many ways, but those who demonstrate mouth control reveal maturity. I would love for that to be what I reveal. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 12, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you ever want to know what's going on in your heart, then just look to see what's coming out of your mouth. Because kids, this is family worship day. We're so glad to have all of our families together with us in this. But uh, your mouth is like a speaker that reveals where your heart is tuned the frequency. Paul writes this, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may be beneficial to all who listen. I would love for what I say to build you up and to benefit you. Isn't this a good word for our world today? You know the preacher's prayer. Lord, Fill my mouth with worthwhile stuff and then nudge me when I've said enough. Can I get an amen, right? <laughs> but it's not just good for pastors. This is a helpful prayer for all of us. You know, maybe your mom told you this, te voy a dar un tapa boca. You know, I'm gonna put a, a cap on your mouth. <laughs> we need to put a lid on it. Or how about this one? Sticks and stones may, may break my bones, but words can never harm me. You know, if that's true, then why can I still remember names that I was called in first and second grade or as a teenager? You know, why is it that there are some memories of words that still resonate with some pain in my soul? Maybe yours too, right? Well, Harvard-educated biological psychiatrist, neuroscientist Dr. Martin Tyker has done research showing that verbal abuse hurts at least as much as physical abuse and that it may have more lasting consequences because it's often more continuous. He also has evidence that the exposure to verbal abuse in childhood actually alters the structure of the brain 
Researchers found that especially during middle school years, when the brain is developing, exposure to peer bullying and verbal abuse causes changes in the white matter of the brain. Interesting. Now, to the other side of the fence, the absence of words can also leave damage, can leave a hole in your soul. If, um, if you never heard your mother or your father say, I love you, or I'm sorry, please forgive me, or I'm proud of you, then uh, it can leave you feeling lonely or, or anxious or or uh, isolated, even abandoned. The absence of words that bring social connection also have impact. Now, our digital age has given us a new way of being connected, and we celebrate that, but also of feeling rejected. You've seen this, that being unfriended or cyber-bullied can make social media very antisocial in its impact. And speaking of digital antisocial, we're just now beginning to see how communication is hindered and derailed in the absence of context and other very human elements that, uh, that make communication meaningful and connecting. What do I mean? Well, I mean, it's not only what you say, content, it's where you say it, location, it's when you say it, timing, it's how you say it that matters, tone of voice, body language. Some of the most current research reveals this. Nonverbal accounts for 55% of communication. That means facial expressions, gestures, postures. Add to that 38% vocal element, tone, volume, pitch, pace. And that leaves 7% of impact from words. Now, words matter, but it's not just the words. It's how the words have been shared that matters. It's how interpersonal communication is taking place that gives words their meaning. And that's why the words will not break your bones. They still can lodge in your heart and do damage. And you know what? God cares about your heart. God, who loves you, cares about you, cares about others, cares about the way we relate. There is no bigotry or racism in the unconditional love of God in Christ. In fact, God wants to help us love life. And... Uh, and see good days. Peter even says that in his first letter in the New Testament. If you want to love life and see good days, watch your mouth. Now that's not exactly how he says it, but let's look at it. First Peter chapter three, verse nine. Do not repay evil for evil or insult with insult, but with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit blessing. God wants blessing to come to your life. And then he says, for whoever would love life and see good days must what? Keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. That's about words, isn't it? He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. Now that's the context for communication. It's the opposite of violence and hatred. Did you notice? 
For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. That's the accountability for our words along with an encouragement to use them in prayer. Ask God to get involved. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now skip down to verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Be ready to use words to help others find hope. Now, it's no secret, Peter wrote this, but it's no secret that Peter had mouth problems. Most of the time, his mouth was like a safety pin. Safest when shut. Somebody said this, better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool than to open it and remove all doubt. Well, Peter had the ability to remove all doubt. Einstein said, One time, I love this, we all know that light travels faster than sound. This explains why some people appear bright before you hear them speak. But who better to speak on responsible speaking than somebody who's had an issue with it, like Peter. I mean, he's not just an armchair theologian. He's a wheelchair theologian. He brings his wounds with him into this. From his own mouth came amazing revelation. You're the Christ, the son of the living God, he tells Jesus. But then moments later, he blows it to the point that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. And you know Jesus was weighing his words carefully when he said that. When Jesus is transfigured on the mountain, shining in magnificent glory, Mark and Luke's gospel both tell us Peter didn't know what to say. I mean, he'd just seen Moses and Elijah on the mountain, and Jesus is there between them in dazzling radiance, transcendent splendor, and Peter is speechless. He doesn't know what to say, but it doesn't stop him from talking. You know, he says something anyway. You know what he says? Hey, let's have a building program. Let's build three tabernacles. It's like, what? You know what happens next in the story? The voice of God the Father speaks. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. It's like God is saying, Peter, you know there's a time to talk, there's a time to listen. This is a time to listen. Don't just have to say something. Have something to say. And until you do, it's a good thing to learn how to listen. It's like God is saying, I gave you two ears, one mouth. Why? So that you would listen twice as much as you talk. Father God is giving Peter the advice. Listen. Listen. See, it was Peter's mouth that said, even if all fall away, I won't. And then within hours, you know what? The same mouth is denying Jesus. I don't know him and disowns him three times. He's got mouth issues, but it's not just Peter. I mean, that's a sad story, but it's not just Peter. It's the human condition, isn't it? Hey, kids, we all use our mouths. We use them every day, don't we? Sometimes we use them for what's right. We do good. Other times we use them for things that are not so good. Is that right? Yeah, and not only kids, grown-ups too. Our grown-up world is full of it. We see it in our world, Uh, a world where grown-ups talk about alternative facts and fake news and where the meaning of a word depends on what your definition of is is. I mean, and where outright contradictory statements are coming out of the same mouth, and it's like it's hard to know what to believe or who to believe. We affirm freedom of speech, amen, in this country, but sometimes it feels like whatever you say can and will be used against you. 
What are we supposed to do? I mean, on one hand, we, we hear irresponsible speech, violating people, and, um, and on the other hand, we hear PC tensions that have us walking on eggshells about ever saying anything. So what are we supposed to do? What can we do? Well, I'm telling you, we can't fix everything, but that doesn't mean that we don't do something, and that's where 1 Peter chapter 3 applies. If you want to love life, I do, do you? Yes, I want to love life and see good days. Yes, we do. Well, then what? Watch your mouth, Peter says. Well, actually, he doesn't say that. What he's saying is the way you use your tongue can give life. So why don't we say it this way? If you want to love life, then have a life-giving tongue. What is that? Well, first, a life-giving tongue is a controlled tongue. Chapter 3, verse 10, he says, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceit. Evil means things that are rotten and foul and malicious and hateful. It includes bad words, slander, gossip, put-downs, insults, manipulating, flattery, lying. And then deceitful means using your words to disguise something else. Peter is saying, like, this about covers it, right? Yeah, Maybe you know the saying, if you can't say something nice, then here, sit down by me. A lot, it feels like that in our world, doesn't it? I'm thinking if we were to follow what Peter says here, it would put a lot of talk shows out of business. And maybe not just talk shows, how about some quote family, close quote, programming where disrespectful words and, uh, are portrayed as normal or even funny. And I'm wondering, how is that helping families? You think the news reporting would change if the way we changed our words changed? Yes. Now, there's a way, there's a time and a way to voice disagreement and difference of opinion, and we're going to get to that in a moment. But here, the appeal is for awareness. Awareness and control. What attitude, what emotion is fueling your speech? Is it anger? Is it defensiveness? Is it sarcasm? Sarcasm's a popular form of humor these days, but I'm telling you, sarcasm and cruel joking can erode and destroy emotional trust, and you can't fix it just by saying, oh, I didn't mean it, I'm only kidding. If you're being passive-aggressive, it may mean that fear and sneaky anger are churning inside of you. So, don't be deceived. Be aware. And then once you're aware, be controlled. And then watch your life change, Peter says. Second, a life-giving tongue is a helpful tongue. He says, do good with your tongue. Now, that's the opposite of rotten. That word means intrinsically good. It means healthy, like organically good, nature's best. Pursue that. Seek Peace, he says. Now, peace means wholeness and welfare. All the pieces coming together, uniting. Seek that. And seek means hunt it down, dog it out. Don't just let it go and pray. Let God do this, especially if you're a leader. This is so significant. Authority figures, words in the mouth of a life-defining authority figure are powerful. Whether it's a husband or a wife, a mom or a dad, a brother or a sister, you know, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a pastor, a doctor, a leader, a CEO, a president. 
words in the mouth of an authority figure matter and children tend to soak our words in just like little sponges, you know, we soak in meanings to our souls. That's why you still remember those words and the feelings that came with them. Storing up shame and anger and hurt and blame and guilt. How much better would it be for us to pour healthy words that are life-giving, challenging, and inspiring into our children? Yes, we offer correction and discipline. And yes, that's sometimes hard. But shaming and blaming are seldom helpful. So don't just tell it like it is. Tell it like it can be with hope. And then third, a life-giving tongue is a prepared tongue. Verse 15, set apart Christ as Lord in your heart and by God's empowering then, he says, be ready to give an answer to, for your hope. Be informed, be thoughtful, think before you speak. This verse assumes that you've listened first and then reflected on an appropriate answer before you start talking. Imagine that. And as you do, you can share the hope that you have in Christ. This means every one of us can bear witness to hope. As Christ has brought hope to your life, peace to your life, love to your life, then you can share it with somebody else. But to be able to do it well requires preparation, thoughtfulness. Now, growing up, we taught our kids that always think before you pick up the phone to dial, you know, who are you calling? What do you want? Why are, what are you offering? And so it'd be like this. This is Bill calling for Joe. I was wondering if he could come over to the house and then after dinner around eight o'clock, we'll bring him back home. You know, just tight and neat and here's why I'm calling. You know, I still think through what I'm gonna say before I make phone calls today because pre preparing ahead helps. And especially in sharing hope. We think before we speak, and then we look for ways to be able to help other people experience the love of God in Christ as we speak. That's like, so if I'm involved in a conversation, I, I can say, you know, it's not about religion for me. This is the hope I find in Christ. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship that we have with Christ. Religion is about do. Christ is about done. What does that mean? Well, religion is what you do and don't do in order to get God to get God's favor, but Christ offers God's favor on the basis of what he has done for us, and we receive it as a gift, and that creates hope. Well, fourth, a life-giving tongue is respectful, a respectful tongue. So as we're sharing our witness of hope, verse 15 says, do it with gentleness. That's gentle strength, not anger, not verbal violence, but also with respect. That's reverence. We honor the person with whom we're sharing. So this is not just what you say, it's about how you say it. Now, if you've ever thought this, you know, what you're doing is speaking so loud, I can't hear a word you're saying. You know, you're already shutting down because of the behavior that's taking place. Listen, here's one of our values that we have practiced for years. It is possible to disagree without dishonoring one another. Whenever you're in a debate or a debating an idea and disagreement rises, remember this, I'm here to disagree without dishonoring. You can affirm freedom of speech without name calling, without resorting to uh, trigger words that are intended to inflame or injure another person. Now, I'm not talking about conflict avoidance. 
that prohibits freedom of speech and the free necessary exchange of ideas. This is about engaging the conflict, but doing so in a way that is respectful, even in disagreement. And this is about how we do it as much as what we do. So here are a few questions that I think can help us on applying the points we've just made. Before you speak, before you tweet, before you post, ask this, is it true? Not merely factual, but is it genuine and authentic, true to who you are in Christ? Number two, is it helpful? Will me making this point in this way at this time be helpful to anyone except me needing to express it? Number three, is this the best way for me to share it? Is this the best place, the best time, the best approach? If it's difficult news to share, is this the most honoring and humane way to share it? And then number four, is it respectful? If it's disagreeing on some issue, then how can I do it without insulting or demonizing my opponent? Why does it matter? Well, if you wanna love life, Peter says, and see good days, then have a life-giving tongue. Why? Because the real payoff from learning how to communicate more effectively is true connection, understanding, greater understanding, increased trust, stronger community. What we mean, kids, is this is how you get better friendships, how you have better relationships with others. You ever felt like this, you know, they just don't get me. Well, this is a way to help others get you and to help you Get them, and as you're sharing with understanding, you go, oh, oh, I get that. I, I get that. Well, that's what we're talking about. But showing it in your relational communication. Now, there are five levels, I've read five levels of connection in communication. Here's the first one, cliche. It's a word that just means superficial. It, 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 uh, it's kind of surface level, but it gives you a place to start the conversation. How you doing? Oh, fine. How about you? Yeah, I think it's going to be all right. So, you know, it really doesn't take much emotional commitment or much forethought or expectation, but it starts the conversation. Next level, facts. Information. What about the weather? This is about statistics. Hey, did you see the Marlins game? How many home runs has Stanton hit now this season? You know, it takes the connection a little bit further. Third level, opinion. Now, this is where you're going to share your ideas and your goals and your dreams, and others are going to share theirs with you, and you're going to meet differences of opinion. This is a little bit riskier because you're sharing more personally, but so are others. And as you step into that, so are your friends, then you're going to meet, oftentimes, differences of opinions and differences in tastes. Others may not see things quite the way you do, and that gives you an opportunity to go, oh, help me understand that. And you can step a little bit closer in and go, oh, I get that. Or, you know, that's really not, I don't really, that's not where I am. I mean, you can, that's, but this gives us a chance to share and grow in understanding. I can tell you a question that almost always raises a difference of opinion at the White House where I live is this one. What do you want for dinner? And, and I don't know how it works, but it seems like it almost always leads in some way to debate, kind of negotiation and a level of disagreement. Fourth level, feelings, feelings. 
And here's what I've learned. Can I be vulnerable with you? I, here's what I've learned. I can only truly share my emotions when I feel safe. When I feel safe from ridicule or rejection. And if I feel like I'm going to be put down or, or, or thrown out or cut off, then you know what I'm tempted to do and what I do sometimes, I just stuff them. But you know what happens when I stuff my feelings? It makes me angry. I get hurt and then I feel angry. And then guess what just happened? I got disconnected. So in order for me to go to this depth level in a conversation, we've got to have a safety zone about learning how, what am I feeling and how can I share it in a way that helps others feel known as I'm making my feelings known. It's called growing in emotional intelligence. We've already talked about this in a previous message, but it's never been more important than right now. Level five, needs. This is a level of emotional vulnerability that leads to the deepest kind of connection in intimacy. But I got to tell you, confessing our needs is scary because sometimes it feels like weakness and, and we're afraid of disclosing weakness and it involves high trust, which is why to get to this level of sharing, it usually involves, it requires confidentiality. Why? Because we want to know, can I trust your mouth not to talk about this? And they're wondering the same thing. But if you don't share your needs, you're going to stay strangers. And we don't want that. This is, this is part of growing relationally. One of the growing edges of my life is learning how to do this more and better how to be vulnerable and transparent in a way that builds trust and relationship and grows relationship. But each one of these levels, have you seen this? Each level is an opportunity for deeper knowledge, for deeper knowing. You start at a shallow place, but then as you take steps, you can grow in soul connection and the deepest quality of intimacy. Here's my question. Where would you like your life connections to go relationally on this list? You know, we start with cliche, but listen, don't stay there. You don't want to stay in a cliche relationship, do you? No, take it to facts, take it to opinions. If you're in a factual kind of sharing, then take the risk and take it to opinion. Or maybe it's time to step even further in because the trust has come to a point where you need to share some feeling. Or maybe it's time to take it simply out of feeling and go deep. Where would you like your friendships to go, your marriage to be, your family to live? And as you take that step, remember this, is it true? Is it helpful? Will it be beneficial? And, uh, and can I show respect as I move closer and deeper into more meaningful relating? Would you pray with me? Thank you. Thank you, God, for the truth of your word and the way that we see it in Peter's life, learning from his mistakes and then being willing to take steps of faith forward. And we pray that you would bless us, each one, mom, dad, brother, sister, husband, wife, parent, child, in all of our relationships, 
not only in our homes, but with others, our neighbors on the street, across the, the nation, around the world, that you could grant us life-giving tongues that would speak love and bring peace as we trust your truth to set us free. Now, if you're on the front end of your spiritual journey, our custom is every week to offer a prayer that you can join us in that will initiate that next step for you. It's simply this prayer. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are God come for me in the flesh, that you offered yourself for me and that you desire to forgive me and give me the gift of eternal life. So right now I'm opening my heart and trusting your word Come into my life, forgive my sins, and as I turn from my way to walk in your way, I pray you will lead me and bless me to love life and see good days. Now, if you just prayed that prayer and opened your life to Christ and would let me ask God's blessing upon your next steps of faith, would you simply raise your hand wherever you're you're joining us right now online. There's an orange banner where you can click Kindle Campus. Our pastors are watching and praying now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for every, every hand that's been lifted as a demonstration of a heart that is open. And we pray that your spirit's presence would just pour in according to your promise in a way that lifts their burden, lights their path, and then leads them into blessing as we make our prayer in your name, amen.